A tough facade goes a long way. And sure, being able to fight your way out of a situation might seem like a perk. But in the end, it pushes everyone away. And then, like the man in today's episode, you're forced to turn to other means for comfort. So is it possible to break down what seems to have been a lifelong facade? Let's find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man whose father forced him to face his bullies with brutal force. But then those tendencies created a thick wall. Today, we'll see just who could knock this wall down on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The classic true story of Thomas Michael Jr. Derek McGowan happened. Oh, not again. Here, get to the sink. You're dripping blood everywhere. It's just my nose, Mom, but my eye will be swelled shut tomorrow. What's this? That McGowan boy. Can you believe he's three years older and eight inches taller and he's... Ah, quit babying him. He's hurt. No, I'm okay, Mom. Here, let's put this ice... You don't need no ice. I'll tell you what you're going to do. Yeah? You're going to go back out there and face that boy like a man. Dad, I can't beat Derek. Yes, you can. And you're not coming back into this house until you do. That's outrageous. He's just... Look, if you don't stand up and fight now, you'll have people picking on you the rest of your life. Is that what you want? No, sir. You sure? Yes, sir. Go find that boy and fight. To accept a challenge may be a good thing, a challenge to act responsibly, to live a clean life, or to be honest, to be more violent, abandoned, to experiment with drugs. That's not a challenge. It's a dare. And we should have learned by now that a dare is never issued for our benefit. We may learn more about this as we hear the classic true story of Thomas Michael right now on Unshackled. Living in Virginia Beach in the 60s, my father classified all males as either macho or wimps. Of course, I was assigned the macho role, even when it didn't fit. Nevertheless, I worshiped my father, overlooking his volatile temper and the ways he took it out on my mother, especially when he'd been drinking. Part of me was also terrified of him. Along with being strong beyond belief, he was a great breadwinner and was respected by all for his work ethic. So it was no wonder he pushed me to excel, even down to neighborhood fistfights. All right, let me see you. No, Dad, I'm fine. It's not my blood. (laughs) Good. Glad you're standing up for yourself these days. No one pushes me around. (laughs) That's the spirit. I may not win every fight. But anyone who scraps with me is going to look like it. So you really let him have it, huh? Dad, that kid's going to be feeling my right hook all week. My change in attitude pleased my dad. 
although in time, it would bring me great pain. I had acquired the demon called Pride. Dad had mastered every sport he participated in, so I tried to be like him in this too, but came up a tad short. I was active in football, wrestling, and track and field, and while I did well, fell short of being a star. In high school, I often made the honor roll. On the outside, I looked pretty good. Inside, in time, I would learn just how rotten I really was. Come in! Mom says you're not feeling well. It's my feet, Dad. I think it's just the cramps from the football game last night? It's worse than cramps. All right, show me. Dad, it hurts too much. All right, all right. Just take a couple of steps. <sighs> That's it. That's all. We better get you to the doctor. The doctors were at a loss when it came to knowing what was wrong or being able to solve the pain. They put me on strong medications and gave me injections in my feet. Because I was no longer able to engage in sports, my former teammates abandoned me. Then on a Friday night, a friend I had known since elementary knocked on the door and invited me to go out with some of his friends. Check it out. Isn't that an incredible van? Looks like it can fit a lot of people. Man, with that set of wheels, anywhere we go, it's always party time. You sure know how to have fun. I guess fun's something you haven't experienced since dropping out of sports. Oh, so true. Then come on out and meet the guys. We'll stop for some beer and then drive out in the country. It sounded good to me, so I dressed and went out to the van to meet the others. I knew right away from their appearance they were stoned. Now, I didn't believe in using marijuana. In fact, I didn't even smoke cigarettes. But I went along. Anything was better than being lonely, and they appeared to be having a great time. After we bought the beer, we drove out to a rural area and parked the van. There, they turned on some loud rock music. Black Sabbath played as they broke out the beer, and something that was new to me then, joints. I choked at first and hated the taste, but the high seemed to chase away the melancholy I was feeling. It wasn't long before I became the biggest partier in the group. After graduation from high school, I spent a year as a bricklayer's apprentice. Then I decided to do a little serious thinking about my future. I suppose if you're tired of laying bricks, you could always go to college. Yeah, I don't know. Ever thought about it? Briefly, but the answer's a quick no. <laughs> <laughs> any reason in particular? Uh, yeah, it would interfere with my partying. <laughs> you got any other ideas? Well... <sighs> <clears throat> Maybe the Marines. The trouble is, they've already turned me down. Twice. Ouch. Yeah, I made the mistake of telling them about the pain in my feet. Well, maybe you could apply to a different branch of the military. And keep quiet about your feet. I think the Coast Guard would be fun. You know, I think that's exactly what I'll do. Being unable to get into the Marine Corps was disappointing to my macho desire. However, Coast Guard boot camp was a real shocker for me. The toughness of the drill instructors was beyond belief. They showed no mercy, but I'd soon learn why. Is that too hard for you, Michael? No, no, sir. You wanna go home? No, not me, sir. Good. I hear some of you think these drills are too tough. I overheard someone even say the word cruel. Well, I'm gonna be straight with you. 
Our mission is to rescue. And to do that, you'll often be in a three-man crew. Do you want one of those men to wimp out on you and let you down? Or to wimp out yourself? No, no sir! There's no calling off rescue operations because the weather's too tough or the sea conditions are too deadly. The motto we have here is, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. The next time drills are too exhausting for you, remember that. The strength I had developed as a bricklayer came in handy. Although taxing, I made it through. I graduated with half of the men I had started with. In the Coast Guard, I continued partying, but stuck to drinking because it was acceptable. I was transferred to Governor's Island in New York for electronics and radar school. We had nightly beer bashes in the barracks, and trouble grew from our wildness. Enough trouble that I was scared. At that point, I did what a lot of people do when they know they're in the wrong and wish they could be right. I picked up a Bible that had been left in the barracks by the Gideons and read it for several weeks. This was noticed by one of the other men. I didn't know you read the Bible. Oh, yeah. I just started a couple weeks ago. You don't say. Found it lying around and decided to find out what's in it. Well, if you really want to know, you ought to go to some Bible study classes. I didn't think the Coast Guard included theology with radar and electronics classes. Well, they don't. <laughs> But we have classes going on at on-base housing. Yeah? I'll be heading over there this evening if you'd like to come along. Why not? Uh, I mean, sure. The people were very nice, and they offered a lot of encouragement. Even so, I didn't feel that I really fit in. All I really wanted out of the classes was to feel better. So I didn't make a commitment. My real problem was that I was still very much in my macho stage and saw Christians as wimps. Shortly after the Bible study classes, I completed school and was assigned to an aged cutter just 40 miles from my parents' home. The night I reported aboard the cutter, it was at the end of several hours of hard drinking. Somehow, I managed to report to the officer on deck more or less in the proper form. Then, lurching under a sea bag, I set out to find where I was supposed to sleep. Michael? Yeah, yes, sir. <clears throat> it's not unusual for men to come aboard drunk, but most wait for their first liberty. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, sir? What happened to bring you aboard for the first time in such a fractured condition? Well, sir, uh, I can explain, you, you see. Yeah, uh, don't bother. Whatever it is, I've probably heard it before. Now go on, get some sleep, and try not to wake the rest of the crew. In spite of that beginning, I was soon very dedicated to my ship and shipmates. During this time, I realized that smoking joints was not being faithful to my duties as a Coast Guard petty officer, so I quit. However, that dedication made no change to my drinking habits. I loved radar and took pride in being the best. An officer could give me a hypothetical scenario, and I could recommend him specific course and speed solutions. This made me very popular with the officers. We used to leave Virginia and cruise the Caribbean for six weeks at a time, searching for drug smugglers. We did a lot of island hopping. During war games off Cuba, our ship won the highest award for excellence out of 13 ships present. Most of the credit for this was due to the work of the radar men. Give me those numbers again, Michael. She bears 84 degrees and is moving north at 18 knots. We ought to have visual sighting any minute. You sound pretty confident. I am, sir. In fact, if you'll take your glasses and look dead ahead... 
Well, well, well. Nice work. Now all we have to do is close with her and persuade her to allow us to board and search. She's pretending to be blind and deaf. Can't read our blinker and can't hear us on the radio. Well, there's one thing she'll hear, though. From the look of things, the skipper's about ready to put a shot across her bow. She won't have any trouble hearing this. Folks, we'll get back to Thomas's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. And then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check. Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Tom's story. Our ship took part in nine captures. That gave us a lot of pride in our work. Though I was honored for my work, the emptiness I felt inside wore on me. My social life was a mess, and I was losing control over alcohol. It controlled me. I started experiencing blackouts and exhibited unpredictable behavior when drinking. Uh, about this time, I was transferred to Houston, Texas to become a vessel traffic operator on the Houston Ship Channel. I'll never know how I became qualified to stand watch, and yet my job surprisingly went well. I met a fellow who had just come from a broken marriage and understood what pain felt like. Unfortunately, he also had a taste for alcohol. Have you ever thought of staying sober? <laughs> sure, have you? <laughs> Lots of times, but what can I say? Drink eases the pain of living, or seems to. Well, it's different for me. How so? Well, I used to think I was having a good time drinking. Now, I'm beginning to see I do stupid things. I get into fights for no good reason, and now I have terrible mental hangovers. Really? Yeah, it's followed by an awful depression. I'm despondent when I'm sober and some kind of a nut when I'm drunk. Well, you sound like the kind of person who should never take another drink. Well, never is a long time. You thought of going to Alcoholics Anonymous? It's crossed my mind. And? I try not to think of it, but maybe now it's time to take it seriously. Well, you can at least go and see what they have to say. I took my friend's advice and got in touch with AA, but nothing came of it. The reason was perfectly stated as their leader had put it. He just doesn't want to stop drinking yet. In my own mind, I wanted to escape the agonies of depression, but didn't want to surrender the option to drink. Not long afterward, 
I went through almost a replay of what I had done when stationed at Governor's Island and went to a Bible study. Again, I was frightened. I was not driven by a desire to know God, but I did want to be saved as some sort of insurance policy. I'm sure the pastor of the little church saw through me, but that didn't diminish his willingness to help me. Tom, it's true in the matter of conversion, God takes us where we are. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace. If we had to clean up our lives and make ourselves worthy, no one would ever be saved. We sing just as I am, without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me. We're not clean when we turn to Christ, but we can look to him to make us clean. I did believe the Bible. That much was true, but my understanding of it was very thin. I was baptized in that little church where people truly wanted to help me. The baptism took place on Super Bowl day, and I thought I was making a great sacrifice by missing the game. Almost at once, I was back in the bars, getting drunk and using any woman I met as a piece of meat. I even bragged about that, probably in an effort to maintain my foolish pride. At this point in my life, I met a woman I came to marry. Somehow Gina failed to recognize me for what I was. She was not a drinker. With her, even a single social drink was rare. After we married, she learned about the hidden parts of my life soon enough. Just seven months in, she had all she could take. The final incident was no worse than some others. I was out late, came home drunk, and flopped on the couch. In the morning, found the bedroom door was locked. Hey, Gina, let me in. Gina! Well, what do you have to say for yourself? I guess maybe I, I, I had too much to drink last night. You guess, maybe? I'm sorry. Oh, are you now? You should be. You had a whole lot to drink last night, as you have many other nights. And if you don't change your ways... I'm gone. You can't mean... Oh, yes, I do. I think there had been many times in my life when such a threat, even from Gina, wouldn't have been enough to make me want to change. This time, though, was different. I think God used the situation to make me face myself and think. I, of all people, was the one to bring up the name of God. And Gina responded. Tom... I hope you're not invoking God to impress me. I've been disappointed too often. Disappointed? How? For quite a few years, I had a hunger to know God. I wanted to find him so badly, but it seemed I must have looked in all the wrong places. What kind of places? Well, the last spiritual group I entertained called themselves New Age. They were convinced pyramids have great power. Well, God is not a pyramid. <laughs> I know that now. But I still haven't found him. You can, you know. I don't know how. I do. I found him and then tried to run away. That didn't work either. And I think this proves it. But I know he's there. Are you willing to read the Bible with me? Yes. And do you think we can pray together? I'd like that. Good. And we need to find ourselves a good church. I'd like that too. Gina and I 
did all we said we'd do. After joining a local church, I humbly asked God to relieve me of the urge to drink. It was done, and I was truly awed and amazed. Was it really as simple as that, I asked. After my enlistment expired, we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where we found a church, but not a very inspiring one. Well, you have to admit it's a beautiful old building. <laughs> it is, and that church must have been alive at one time. Look at the size of it. Bet there was room for several hundred people. Uh, I counted 30 there this morning, and most were old. What do you think happened? Mm, likely the same thing that happened to so many of the old line denominations. What's that? Well, they've lost their way. Maybe they keep a Bible on the pulpit, but they don't have God's word in their hearts. You think so? I bet they have nothing to offer. So the only people who come to the church are those too old to face their need to change. Then we better look somewhere else. We will. I'd like to find something like the little one I went to in Houston for a while. Like that, but larger. We did find one, and it was great. The pastor preached the gospel, the people sang as though they were excited about it, and we had the chance to learn what it means to be saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we first arrived in Raleigh, we wanted to buy a little farm. We discovered that Gina and I were unable to have children. We prayed about that, and then Gina went to California to see her mother, who was sick. Later, when the condition stabilized, Gina came home with the most interesting news. You know how I went around and visited relatives while I was there? Yeah? Well, you're not going to believe what I saw. <laughs> with your family? I'd say anything is possible. Hey! <laughs> okay, so what'd you see? My cousin has the sweetest little daughter, Bonnie Sue, but they're living in some hippie commune where people are into drugs and alcohol. That's not good. No, that's not all. I could tell Bonnie's been neglected and abused, physically, mentally, and sexually. Oh, no. Can't something be done? Bonnie Sue thinks so. When I was leaving, she latched onto me and begged and cried for me to take her with me. You think... Maybe this is God's answer to our prayer for a child? I mean, we could raise her. Well, I'm going to go back in a few weeks and see what my cousin says about letting me bring Bonnie Sue back. You think she'll allow it? She might. When Bonnie was crying, she said, Go ahead and take her. You can give her a better home. Then I say let's do it. When Gina returned from California next... She had Bonnie with her, our new daughter. A good thing, too, because her mother was later found dead in a remote area on the boundary between California and Oregon. That's one of the big areas for commercial growing of marijuana. I suppose that back in the days I was smoking it, I was supporting the people who may have killed Bonnie Sue's mother. I thank God that drugs are no longer part of my life, and that Gina had pursued us caring for Bonnie and gotten her out of such a bad situation. I've seen wonderful changes in Tom. At first, in our church, he felt unworthy to be with such folks. Then the Holy Spirit convicted him that he should simply live for God. He asked that if this was the life for him, then so be it. At that point, he knew he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
His macho resistance was overcome, and there have been dramatic and increasing changes in his life. Listening friend, troubled and disordered lives can be changed, and the evidence is clear in the case of Tom. If you want to experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ as Tom did, you can call 1-888-NEED-HIM, or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for this sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This specific plaque has dark brown bark and a golden center. The scripture is written in light green color that makes it pop. If you'd like to take a peek at this scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. Folks, unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, phone number, and email. The winner of the sweepstake for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced March 20th, but the deadline for entry is March 4th. We look forward to hearing from you, and next time... I know this is what I trained for, but... I just hope they don't regret hiring me. Marina, they hired you because you were the best. You, my dear wife, are ready for whatever challenges God gives you. Marina Hoffman had her life and career all planned out. You are going to be a great professor and your students are gonna love you. Aw, not as much as I love you. Until her plans were dashed. Oh no, no, no! A horrific car crash made her question if God really loved her and could restore her hopes and dreams. I don't always feel encouraged or hopeful. You nearly died several months ago, but you didn't. God saved your life and loves you. I don't always see evidence that God is using this trauma for his glory. Why did God let this happen to me? Don't miss her powerful story, the true testimony of Marina Hoffman, 
on the next Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Thomas Michael Jr. were Brian Plaharchik, Holly Krajewski, Mara Kate Burns, Jeff Lupatin, Dave Kappas, and Evan Armacost. Original music, Caleb Tolleson. Sound effects, Martin Robinson. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Jack O'Dell and Kylie Hammond. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.